0: One of the reasons why I created this podcast is for people to share their stories so other people like you and me can listen to them and possibly relate to them. Ideally, it could help us understand things we haven't understood yet, or it could allow us to take a step back in our own lives or relationships and see things with a bit more perspective. We all need it at some point. We all know it can be very difficult to actually see what is going on when we are in a relationship. Louise's story is the perfect illustration of this, unfortunately. In our case, and in many others, we simply don't have the necessary distance to evaluate if the current situation is acceptable or not. This is one of these situations where love, very strangely, can actually be blinding. This is when we can feel cheated by love. We often hear that love is blind, that we can't see clear when we love someone. That's not exactly what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about how the strength of our feelings can actually make us lose sight of what's good for us and for our partner. I'm not qualified to give a psychological interpretation of very complex situations, and I won't, but here is what I have witnessed, not only around me, but also in my own relationships in the past. We tend to choose our partners because we feel most of the time at a subconscious level that they can fill our holes. Okay, maybe it's not the nicest way to say it. That came out a bit wrong. So maybe we could say that we feel they can meet our needs. Needs that we sometimes don't even know we have. They can provide solutions, qualities, or character traits that we don't have yet. And we detect that during the very first encounters. If they fit the bill, this appreciation generates an attraction. It's like something somewhere tells us that we could complement each other perfectly. So we're drawn to that person. After a while, if he or she somehow confirms what we deciphered in the first place and more, that attraction is kind of validated on a deeper level and we fall in love. But what happens when, like in Luis's case, the relationship evolves in a toxic way, maybe because of a drastic change of personality or attitude? We can't just forget how we feel about that person. The emotional investment is still important. We are still in love and we want to believe that we can do something about it. That if there is one person that can actually fix it, well, it's us. That's what I meant when I said that we can feel cheated by love because what comes from a good place, from a very human feeling of affection and protection can actually make us lose track of what's good for us and the person we love. We want to save, we want to fix that's what a loving person tends to do. This is how we feel we should help. But when it comes to issues such as the ones evoked in Lewis's story, mental health, alcoholism, depression, they're extremely serious problems that need to be addressed by professionals. I know it's easier said than done, but there's only so much we can actually do. As much as we love someone and as much as we want to try, we simply can't do it on our own. The love we feel makes us believe that this is our job to repair them. But we need to look at the bigger picture here. Sometimes the right thing to do is not to take on a job we can't do well. We can support, we can be there, we can hold their hands, but we can't fix. It might be hard to accept, but in these cases, love is just not enough. Here is now the second part of Luis's story.
1: sort of physical side of our relationship which had been like the forefront of everything at first and I know every relationship starts off like that and then it's never quite as mad and exciting as it is at the beginning, I know that but, you know, um, yeah, that was kind of almost non-existent but that came from him, he just, he didn't, you know, want to be physical in any sense, I mean, not even... You know, having a hug or a kiss goodbye before you go to work, like just normal shit. You know, he didn't, it's almost as if he would recoil at any sort of physical contact whatsoever. Um, and he did become more and more and more depressed as time went on and just sort of went very much into himself. You know, I'd be, like, running around trying to make really nice dinners and make his favourite things and just doing, like, small things. But nothing seemed to get him out of this sort of total non-communicative state. And he would spend more and more and more time at work so he wouldn't get back until really, really late because they obviously didn't want to be at home.
0: When did that start?
1: Pro- probably about a year right. in. Yeah. And then that was quite a quick sort of decline, really, for him. The living environment at that time was horrible because it was all uncertain all the time because I didn't know what state he would come Home in I didn't know what abuse he was gonna throw at me because I was always the person that got that abuse when he came back um never physical but um always mental um verbal ugh, horrible so um but that was always scary as well because this was such a volatile person that it could have been physical. I mean there were a couple of times um that were very close to getting a black eye, but um yeah, it was a it would yeah, it was a bit grim. <laughs> um but I kind of but I but I but I resolutely was gonna stay. Like I wasn't you know, just mad now. But yeah I couldn't I loved him, and I, I, you know he needed me <laughs> so yeah, and I felt sad, I felt really sad for him and his circumstance and his situation, um but it was really stressful. He used to live and work abroad for a while. And um, so he had friends out, I don't know if I should say the city, friends on the continent in a big city abroad. (laughs) Um, And so he had organised to go and see them. Hadn't invited me to go. So, you know, I couldn't stop him, could I? was fucking stupid. So I was like, Obviously, it was a bit hurt because he didn't ask me to go with him. Um, So he went off. He'd booked like a four-day trip. And um, the day after he had left, I got a phone call from his father. The only number he could remember was his home number. So he couldn't remember your mobile number. So this is why I'm phoning you. And And I just thought, oh, my God. What the, this is all the shit I would worry about all the time and now something really awful has happened so he'd obviously gone out and got absolutely off his face as usual and then walked through a pretty dodged part of this particular city um, and had been knocked unconscious by something very heavy and hard from behind and was beaten up to shit um, beaten up really badly and had everything stolen. So his passport, his wallet, everything. His coat, in fact, they took the coat off his back. Um, but of course, he'd gone and he hadn't told me where he was staying. No address of a hotel or a friend or anything. So I was saying to his father, well, fuck, you know. And his father was really worried, Just It's very unlike any member of his family to actually be like, oh, my God, you know, and his father said, well, will you go out? And I said, well, absolutely. You know, I'll get the next flight that I can. But I don't know where he is. I eventually had to uh, this continental place. He had a lovely continental girlfriend in his past. And I managed to find her on Facebook. It was very difficult for me to do. And, I'm sure she, and she was. Everyone said what a lovely person she was. And she was actually really lovely. And I had to write to her and say, because she knew these friends. So she managed, God bless her, to track down where he was staying, gave me all the details. And she said, don't worry, I'll go. And I said, well, by this time, I had been able to get hold of him on the, on the phone. I can't remember how you know, but anyway, I had. And I, I said to her, oh, he's refusing to go to a hospital. But, you know, he needs to go and get to any head injury like that. You need to get it. And she said, don't worry, I'll take him. Which she did. So I went anyway. Because <laughs> cause when I had managed to eventually got hold of him on the phone, I don't think I've ever heard anybody so terrified in my life. It was like speaking to a small child on the end of the phone. So I went and... Um, in that moment, I don't think I'd ever felt... I don't know why I'm getting upset about this. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever felt so loved by him in that moment because he was so fucking happy. And um, and he was really scared and it was horrible and he looked a fucking mess. I mean, he was just like this crumbling child who was completely unable to do anything. But actually despite all the shit I had such a lovely couple of days because he totally opened up to me about loads of stuff he'd never mentioned before but I was so happy he'd like told me all this stuff and I guess it made us feel well made me feel totally reconnected it was like going back to the very beginning of that sort of Connection. When we we got back to the UK, um I don't know about Two weeks after this, uh, we were we were lying in bed, and um, he just turned around and said, "I don't love you anymore, and I hate our life." So I was like, um, "Okay," and I said, "Well, you know, I'll fix it. <laughs> like, what shit about our life? Like, I you know, and of course, I had been trying to fix what was shit about our life for, you know, a year. So I said, "Well, tell me what shit. And let's talk about that. And if there's a way to fix it, then let's try and fix it." He said, and he just said, "I can't even be bothered. He says, I can't actually even be bothered telling you what's wrong. This is just. I just can't bother. I just want you. I just want you to go." It, it was a relief because that logical side of me was like, well, this is the best thing for you. You know, this this person is never going to change. They're never going to help themselves. They don't even seem to want to help themselves, which was the main problem. But also this whole thing with him being having been abroad and been attacked and then having these amazing four days of him... Saying how much he loved me and how he doesn't ever want to live without me, and literally talking about buying houses and and getting married and wanting family, and so yeah, it was a relief. But it was, I think, what was the hardest bit about it? It was it was complete, almost completely unjust. I was like, well, because he wouldn't give an explanation. He point blank refused to give any explanation. Whatsoever about why our life was. I mean, our life was shit, but do you know what I mean? It, it, you know, I was devastated. Once I moved out, he would just keep messaging me. Things like that went on and on for... I had sort of months' worth of, you know, booty calls at two in the morning when he was totally off his face. And, yeah, that literally went on for about a year after we split up. Um, And sometimes I would oblige. Sometimes I'd be like, no, this is just you know, too fucked up. Uh,
0: but then something happened, I guess, because you guys are not together anymore and mm-hmm. you're not doing...
1: Back, forth, back, yes, forth. Yeah. Of, um,
0: situation. So what what's happened that made sh- the situation change?
1: <laughs> That's a really stupid story. Actually, this wasn't that long ago. Um, so we're talking about About two months ago, I'd been to see a mortgage advisor because I thought, oh, God, you know, I really want to try and get my own place because I don't really own anything. I, I guess I just wanted something of my own that I'd achieved myself and, you know. So I was amazingly surprised that the mortgage advisor went, oh yeah, yeah, that's totally fine. You can afford to do A, B, and C. But at the same time, it was so incredibly sad because I never thought I'd be doing this on my own, ever, literally in a million years. And he weirdly happened to phone me after I got out of that meeting because he wanted help with something and I happened to be really close to where he lives. Um, I can't remember what he needed help with, but me being me, I was like, oh yeah, it's cool, I'm close, you know, I'll come round. And I got really upset about the fucking mortgage (laughs) (laughs) advisory session, I mean, what a dick. Um, And irritatingly, he was really, really nice about it. And then he said this really weird thing with this really weird look on his face. And he was like, mm, well, you know, I, I, it, it'll happen. It'll It will. It will it'll happen for us. It, it will. And it's not right now, but it will at one stage. And I was like, I actually didn't say anything to that. So then he wanted help with something else. I honestly can't even remember. It's so futile now. I can't even remember. But I said, oh, I can't. Do that today, but I can, I can come back tomorrow because uh, I'll be at the office and I can, you know, pop round and blah blah. And he suddenly went really weird, and he was like, "Oh no, I can't do tomorrow. To- no, it's not good tomorrow. Tomorrow, no, no, can't do." It. So I kind of made a joke, and I was like, "Why well, have you got a date or something?" And um, he went fucking mental. Like mental, he was shouting at me and everything. He was like, "Fuck's sake!" you know, I knew you'd think that, what the fucking shit, totally shiting in my face, and I was like, okay, well, why are you getting so, I said, I said that as a joke, like, I really didn't mean anything by it, and I, you know, why are you being so defensive, He was like, well, you know, I'm just meeting somebody for lunch, and I was like, well, that's fine, that's nice, I was like, but it's a woman, yeah, (laughs) and he was like, yeah, but, You know, it doesn't mean that it's a date and um, you don't know her anyway, so it doesn't really matter and you don't even know who it is and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, all right, I was totally, you know, calm down. It's totally fine. But inside, oh my God, I felt so sick. I had to leave. I just said, I've got to go. Um, I'll see you soon. I I literally had to get the fuck away from him, from him saying, like, 10 minutes earlier, oh no, you know, something will happen. To then being all weird about this possible date or whatever the fuck it was, who cares. I just thought that was the moment where I thought, fucking hell, what am I doing? This is like awful for me. So I went home and wrote a big long email because I thought I can't speak, I literally... I need to write this down. Um, I can't actually remember all the things I wrote now, but basically the gist of it was, I I just, I can't have you in my life in any shape or form. I can't be your pal. Um, You can do whatever you like. Go and date other people. You know, it's your life. Do what you like, but don't do it whilst leading me on and giving me hope. And he never replied until about two weeks later and the reply was so calculated and so non-emotional and sort of analytical but in a analyst's way. And again, he touched on some of my vulnerabilities and I showed the email to, to a, a very close friend of mine and I said, can you just read that? and tell me that I'm not mental and that there is nothing wrong with me and then can you delete it? Because if you don't delete it, I'll just carry on reading it. So she read it and, um, and then she deleted it and that was it. feel sad and I kind of guess I feel it slightly relieved as well but sad oh it's horrible actually that is the overwhelming feeling but it's not necessarily sad for myself that the actual majority of that sadness is for him which again stupid he doesn't deserve my sadness (laughs) But I can't help that that is just the way that I feel. I feel sad because it's a waste of a person. A good person. And I know people will be listening to this going, well, he sounds like a tall dick. (laughs) Which he was. But, yeah, I feel really sad for him. I've lost my confidence in... I guess I've lost my confidence as... As a woman like it's like being a woman you know whether that's um a combination of um sort of body confidence, physical confidence, but also confidence in terms of how you come across as a woman to men, and that's weird at this stage in my life, not that i have I've never been a very confident person in general ever. I could always rely on other stuff like, you know, being the fool or being the joker or, you know, um, being one of the lads. I'm very good at that. Um, But I feel like I don't even have the confidence to do that because I think he really made me question, you know, all of those things so much that I began to believe that I was stupid and ugly and um, not interesting and um, too needy or, which maybe I am, I don't know, but um, yeah.
0: How do you get that back?
1: Fuck knows. Um, I don't know. I wish I did know the answer to that question. Maybe it's just time. I think if I do... I know this sounds really materialistic and I'm not a materialistic person at all um but this is more to do with security and I I think if I was to buy my own place I think that would help because I'd feel I'd done that on my own and you know all my friends are like oh you've got to go on like a dating app and do this and do no I can't think of anything worse like I really can't now I'm you know nothing against people that do these things people can do what they want but that's just a personal choice and maybe i'm really old-fashioned it's just not me so i don't know what the answer is to get that confidence back i have i have just been nicer to myself i mean you know i have started doing things that i like that are very me like painting and playing my guitar again and singing more and um that that helps that that helps because i guess that's being kind to yourself which is hard it's actually really difficult being kind to yourself and it's not something i'm that used to doing either so that's a learning curve
0: how do you feel about meeting someone now
1: scared i feel i feel scared i don't, I don't know why that makes me feel upset it's because I haven't said that. I don't think anyone's asked me that question. Um, yeah, I guess I kind of feel scared for numerous different reasons. And one of them is I just don't want to waste any more fucking time because I'm not twenty-five. I like to have a family, and but that becomes much more difficult as you get older because you know you can't just like meet someone and go let's make some babies <laughs> can you I mean that's just like not realistic having babies is a pretty serious business you have to make sure it's the correct person and plus I, I'm, I'm I'm kind of scared that I can't trust anybody I hate that, so when you don't trust people it turns you into somebody that you don't want to be it's horrible yeah I wish I wasn't scared but I am I just guess I will get over that in time I, I, I guess I don't have much faith in people's kindness like where are all the kind people <laughs> you know I, it, kindness is so important, like so much more important than most things actually. But after being with somebody who kind of almost put me in a false sense of security through that kindness and then actually turned out to be the most unkind person ever. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just wary. It's made me realise that I must Always trust my instincts. And the thing is, up until I met him, I always did. I was really fucking good at it. And, uh, and and that night of my birthday, when I said to him, you don't actually really have space for me in your life, that was my instinct saying, don't get into this, don't get into this, because there's something about this that isn't quite right. So I'm going to trust my instincts. I'm going to go back to doing that because they've always been very trustworthy throughout my entire life. But at the same time, it's made me really doubt who I am in a relationship and if I'm totally useless at them. Like there is something fundamentally wrong (laughs) with the way in which I conduct myself within a relationship, which I... Never questioned before because I was just me. Maybe it's because when you live with an abusive person like that, they they when they drum something into your head so much, you you do begin to believe it yourself. Maybe it's you know, maybe it's an age thing. Maybe it's like a kind of like fuck. If I you know if I can't get this right now, I'm just I'm never gonna get it right. I regret that I felt like I could take such a ginormous situation on myself um, and beat it myself, because in the end, it beat me. Um, And I'm a lucky person, because I have, as I said before, fantastic friends and fantastic family, but I didn't ask them for the help that I, we, needed And I guess, you know, despite my whimpering mess before you, um, I guess to never uh, devalue your own strength, however weak you may feel at the time of, you know, sadness or trouble or anything like that, um, I think we're all a hell of a lot stronger than we give ourselves credit for a lot of the time and um, somebody said to me that um, the only reason, I love this the only reason that you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel is because there's a bend in the tunnel um, and that always really helps me actually to think about that and I've told other people that and that it's helped Um and I think that's true because I think you know that's sounding like a pretentious philosophical twat um, you know life is a a wiggly road it's not a it's not a straight line and sometimes you'll turn off a junction and then go ah oh, shit I'm lost or I've gone the wrong way um, but you will always find your way back, no matter how desperately lost you may feel. I I guess it was a very dark um, time for me, and it was um, during this whole process... uh, I felt very stupid actually um, and I, I sort of lost trust in myself and my own instincts. Um, I do actually feel the most like myself that i felt for years. So that is a really positive thing. And yes, I will still struggle with certain things but I feel more comfortable at being myself than I had than I felt for a long long time not every single day but yes (laughs) I do today (laughs) but yeah no I do like jokes aside I do um 98% of the time that's a pretty high percentage come on
0: There is so much to say about this story. It tells us so much about human nature, the strength that we can find sometimes when situations seem desperate. I always say the same things, but when someone gets out of such difficult circumstances, they then have so much to build on. Louise can count on strong foundations of self-respect and compassion, a confidence in her own strengths as a woman. I know she can see now how getting herself out of this has already helped her imagine her future. quick update about louise talking about her future she just bought a property which was such an important step for her and her independence so congratulations thank you for listening to this episode of the breaking point podcast if you wish to follow this podcast on social media you go on our facebook page it's called the breaking point podcast same on twitter where i post updates and all the new episodes five stars and comments on itunes are a bit like christmas presents for podcasters so please go and drop a line or two to be honest the weather in scotland right now reminds me a lot of the end of december so i could use some support